Autumn has arrived in Japan, when the ears of rice ripen. How are you all doing? I am a Buddhist living in Japan. I would like to share with you the main points of the Buddhist scriptures. This podcast contains parables and simple expressions which represent the essence of the sutras he true teachings of the Shakyamuni Buddha, the founder of Buddhism. I sincerely hope that this podcast will provide you with guidance in your encountering of the awakened person in daily life and provides you with fresh answers to your life situations. From this time, let's listen to the practice method taught by Buddha. Let's listen to Search for Truth together. In the search for truth there are certain questions that are unimportant. Of what material is the universe constructed? Is the universe eternal? Are there limits or not to the universe? In what way is this human society put together? What is the ideal form of organization for human society? If a man were to postpone his searching and practicing for enlightenment until such questions were solved, he would die before he found the path. Suppose a man were pierced by a poisoned arrow, and his relatives and friends got together to call a surgeon to have the arrow pulled out and the wood treated. If the wounded man objects, saying, wait a little. Before you pull it out, I want to know who shot this arrow. Was it a man or a woman? Was it someone of noble birth, or was it a peasant? What was the bow made of? Was it a big bow, or a small bow, that shot the arrow? Was it made of wood or bamboo? What was the bow string made of? Was it made of fiber, or of gut? Was the arrow made of rattan, or of reed? What feathers were used? Before you extract the arrow, I want to know all about these things. Then what will happen? Before all this information can be secured, no doubt, the poison will have time to circulate all through the system and the man may die. The first duty is to remove the arrow, and prevent its poison from spreading. When a fire of passion is endangering the world, the composition of the universe matters little, what is the ideal form for the human community is not so important to deal with. The question of whether the universe has limits or is eternal can wait until some way is found to extinguish the fires of birth, old age, sickness and death, in the presence of misery, sorrow, suffering and agony, one should first search for a way to solve these problems and devote oneself to the practice of that way. The Buddha's teaching contains what is important to know and not what is unimportant. That is, it teaches people that they must learn what they should learn, remove what they should remove, train for what they should become enlightened about. Therefore, people should first discern what is the most important, what problem should be solved first and what is the most pressing issue for them. To do all this, they must first undertake to train their minds, that is, they must first seek mind control. Suppose a man goes to the forest to get some of the pith that grows in the center of a tree and returns with a burden of branches and leaves, thinking that he has secured what he went after, would he not be foolish, if he is satisfied with the bark, wood for the pith which he was after? But that is what many people are doing. A person seeks a path that will lead him away from birth, old age, sickness and death, or from misery, sorrow, suffering and agony, and yet, he follows the path a little way, notices some little advance, and immediately becomes proud and conceited and domineering. He is like the man who sought pith and went away satisfied with a burden of branches and leaves. Another man becoming satisfied with the progress he has made by a little effort, relaxes his effort and becomes proud and conceited, he is carrying away only a load of branches instead of the pith he was seeking. Still another man finding that his mind is becoming calmer and his thoughts clearer, he, too, relaxes his effort and becomes proud and conceited, he has a burden of the bark instead of the pith he was looking for.
Then again, another man becomes proud and conceited because he notices that he has gained a measure of intuitive insight, he has a load of the woody fiber of the tree instead of the pith. All of these seekers, who become easily satisfied by their insufficient effort and become proud and overbearing, relax their efforts and easily fall into idleness. All these people will inevitably face suffering again. Those who seek the true path to enlightenment must not expect any offer of respect, honor or devotion. And further, they must not aim with a slight effort, at a trifling advance in calmness or knowledge or insight. First of all, one should get clearly in mind the basic and essential nature of this world of life and death. The world has no substance of its own. It is simply a vast concordance of causes and conditions that have had their origin, solely and exclusively, in the activities of the mind that has been stimulated by ignorance, false imagination, desires and infatuation. It is not something external about which the mind has false conceptions, it has no substance whatever. It has come into appearance by the processes of the mind itself, manifesting its own delusions. It is founded and built up out of the desires of the mind, out of its sufferings and struggles incidental to the pain caused by its own greed, anger and foolishness. Men who seek the way to enlightenment should be ready to fight such a mind to attain their goal. Oh my mind, why do you hover so restlessly over the changing circumstances of life? Why do you make me so confused and restless? Why do you urge me to collect so many things? You are like a plow that breaks in pieces before beginning to plow, you are like a rudder that is dismantled just as you are venturing out on the sea of life and death. Of what use are many rebirths if we do not make good use of this life? Pleasant excitement again. Oh, my mind, why do you rush hither and thither with no definite purpose? Let us cross this wild sea of delusion. Hitherto I have acted as you wished, but now you must act as I wish and, together, we will follow the Buddha's teaching. Oh, my dear mind. These mountains, rivers and seas are changeable and pain-producing. Wherein, oh my mind, once you caused me to be born as a king, and then you caused me to be born as an outcast and to beg for food. Sometimes you cause me to be born in heavenly mansions of the gods and to dwell in luxury and in ecstasy, then you plunge me into the flames of hell. Oh, my foolish, foolish mind. Thus you have led me along different paths and I have been obedient to you and docile. But now that I have heard the Buddha's teaching, do not disturb me any more or cause me further sufferings, but let us seek enlightenment together, humbly and patiently. Oh, my mind, if you could only learn that everything is non-substantial and transitory, if you could only learn not to grasp after things, not to covet things, not to give way to greed, anger and foolishness, then we might journey in quietness. Then, by severing the bond of desires with the sword of wisdom, being undisturbed by changing circumstances, advantage or disadvantage, good or bad, loss or gain, praise or abuse, we might dwell in peace. Oh, my dear mind. It was you who first awakened faith in us, it was you who suggested our seeking enlightenment. Why do you give way so easily to greed, love of comfort and this world of delusion shall we seek quietness? Let us follow the Buddha's teaching and cross over to the other shore of enlightenment. Thus, those who really seek the path to enlightenment dictate terms to their mind. Then they proceed with strong determination. Even though they are abused by some and scorned by others, they go forward undisturbed. They do not become angry if they are beaten by fists, or hit by stones, or gashed by swords. Even if enemies cut their head from the body, the mind must not be disturbed. If they let their mind become darkened by the things they suffer, they are not following the teaching of Buddha. They must be determined, no matter what happens to them, to remain steadfast, unmovable, ever-radiating thoughts of compassion and goodwill.
Let abuse come, let misfortune come, and yet one should resolve to remain unmoved and tranquil in mind, filled with Buddha's teaching. For the sake of attaining enlightenment, one should try to accomplish the impossible and one should endure the unendurable. One must give what he has to the last of it. If he is told that to gain enlightenment he must limit his food to a single grain of rice a day, he will eat only that. If the path to enlightenment leads him through fire, he will go forward. But one must not do these things for any ulterior purpose. One should do them because it is the wise thing, the right thing, to do. One should do them out of a spirit of compassion, as a mother does things for her little child, for her sick child, with no thought of her own strength or comfort. Once there was a king who loved his people and his country and ruled them with wisdom and kindness and, because of it his country was prosperous and peaceful. He was always seeking for greater wisdom and enlightenment, he even offered rewards to anyone who could lead him to worthy teachings. His devotion and wisdom finally came to the attention of the gods, but they determined to test him. A god in disguise as a demon appeared before the gates of the king's palace and asked to be brought before the king as he had a holy teaching for him. The king who was pleased to hear the message courteously received him and asked for instruction. The demon took on a dreadful form and demanded food, saying that he could not teach until he had the food he liked. Choice food was offered the demon, but he insisted that he must have warm human flesh and blood. The crown prince gave his body and the queen also gave her body, but still demon was unsatisfied and so demanded the body of the king. The king expressed his willingness to give his body, but asked that he might first hear the teaching before he would offer his body. The god uttered the following wise teaching, misery rises from lust and fear rises from lust. Those who remove lust have no misery or fear. Suddenly the god resumed his true form and the prince and the queen also reappeared in their original bodies. Once there was a person who sought the true path in the Himalayas. He cared nothing for all the treasures of the earth or even for all the delights of heaven, but he sought the teaching that would remove all mental delusions. The gods were impressed by the man's earnestness and sincerity and decided to test his mind. So one of the gods disguised himself as a demon and appeared in the Himalayas, singing, everything changes, everything appears and disappears. The seeker heard this song which pleased him very much. He was as delighted as if he had found a spring of cool water for this thirst or as if a slave had been unexpectedly set free. He said to himself, at last I have found the true teaching that I have sought for so long. He followed the voice and at last came upon the frightful demon. With an uneasy mind he approached the demon and said, was it you who sang the holy song that I have just heard? If it was you, please sing more of it. The demon replied, yes, it was my song, but I cannot sing more of it until I have had something to eat. I am starving. The man begged him very earnestly to sing more of it, saying, it has a sacred meaning to me and I have sought its teaching for a long time. I have only heard a part of it, please let me hear more. The demon said again, I am starving, but if I can taste the warm flesh and blood of a man, I will finish the song. The man, in his eagerness to hear the teaching, promised the demon that he could have his body after he had heard the teaching. Then the demon sang the complete song. Everything changes. Everything appears and disappears. There is perfect tranquility. When one transcends both life and extinction. Hearing this, the man, after he wrote the poem on rocks and trees around, quietly climbed a tree and hurled himself to the feet of the demon, but the demon had disappeared and, instead, a radiant god received the body of the man unharmed. Once upon a time there was an earnest seeker of the true path named Sataparadita. He cast aside every temptation for profit or honor and sought the path at the risk of his life. One day a voice from heaven came to him, saying, Sataparadita. 
Go straight toward the east. Do not think of either heat or cold, pay no attention to worldly praise or scorn, do not be bothered by discriminations of good or evil, but just keep on going east. In the far east you will find a true teacher and will gain enlightenment. Sataparudita was very pleased to get this definite instruction and immediately started on his journey eastward. Sometimes he slept where night found him in a lonely field or in the wild mountains. Being a stranger in foreign lands, he suffered many humiliations, once he sold himself into slavery, selling his own flesh are of hunger, but at last he found the true teacher and asked for his instruction. There is a saying, good things are costly, and Sataparudita found it true in his case, for he had many difficulties on his journey in search of the path. He had no money to buy some flowers and incense to offer the teacher. He tried to sell his services but could find no one to hire him. There seemed to be an evil spirit hindering him every way he turned. The path to enlightenment is a hard one and it may cost a man his life. At last Sataparudita reached the presence of the teacher himself and then he had a new difficulty. He had no paper on which to take notes and no brush or ink to write with. Then he pricked his wrist with a dagger and took notes in his own blood. In this way he secured the precious truth. Once there was a boy named Sudana who also wished for enlightenment and earnestly sought the way. From a fisherman he learned the lore of the sea. From a doctor he learned compassion toward the sick people in their suffering. From a wealthy man he learned that saving pennies was the secret of his fortune and thought how necessary it was to conserve every trifling gained on the path to enlightenment. From a meditating monk he learned that the pure and peaceful mind had a miraculous power to purify and tranquilize other minds. Once he met a woman of exceptional personality and was impressed by her benevolent spirit, and from her he learned a lesson that charity was the fruit of wisdom. Once he met an aged wanderer who told him that to reach a certain place he had to scale a mountain of swords and pass through a valley of fire. Thus Sudana learned from his experiences that there was true teaching to be gained from everything he saw or heard. He learned patience from a poor, crippled woman, he learned a lesson of simple happiness from watching children playing in the street, and from some gentle and humble people, who never thought of wanting anything that anybody else wanted, he learned the secret of living at peace with all the world. He learned a lesson of harmony from watching the blending of the elements of incense, and a lesson of thanksgiving from the arrangement of flowers. One day, passing through a forest, he took a rest under a noble tree and noticed a tiny seedling growing nearby out of a fallen and decaying tree and it taught him a lesson of the uncertainty of life. Sunlight by day and the twinkling starts by night constantly refreshed his spirit. Thus Sudana profited by the experiences of his long journey. Indeed, those who seek for enlightenment must think of their minds as castles and decorate them. They must open wide the gates of their minds for Buddha, and respectfully and humbly invite him to enter the inmost chamber, there to offer him the fragrant incense of faith and the flowers of gratitude and gladness. Thank you for listening. This passage from the podcast was excerpted and edited from, Teachings of the Buddha, published by Bucky Odendo Kiyoke. They own the copyright of the book. The name means, Buddhist Missionary Association, in Japanese, and has an office in Minato-ku, Tokyo. You will have access to Buddhist scriptures translated into languages from around the world. What does it mean to be enlightened? What does it mean to awaken to wisdom? In my opinion, it is to realize one's own ignorance, one's own stupidity. A person who is not aware of his stupidity is a total fool. A person who knows his stupidity is not stupid. He will surely turn into a humble person. 
and that person will be acutely aware of the suffering of his neighbor, he will see the injustices of society. That person will surely comfort his neighbor, criticize social injustice and act for the betterment of society. This is enlightenment. This is Buddhist world of awakening. Next time we will listen to, the ways of practice. Goodbye, see you later.